What is going on guys? Welcome back to the Galactic Grizzcast. This is episode 87. I'm your host Jalen Brown bringing you a brand new episode of the Grizzcast. In case you don't know, this is the show where we talk about the latest and greatest in gaming and movie news. Uh, this is a bonus episode. You'll be seeing this on Monday. Uh, usually the show comes out on Thursday if you're unaware. Um, but I recently hit up Mike Suzek, uh, former of Joystick. Um, in case you don't know what Joystick is, uh, if you're a little too young, I guess it was basically a gaming site where you could go for gaming news, reviews, articles, and so on and so forth. Um, if you would like a bit more information, I'm sure if you just Google Joystick, you'll get plenty of info. And Joystick is spelled with a Q, J-O-Y-S-T-I-Q. Uh, yeah, so if you don't know what Joystick is, I would say look into it just because it was a really awesome gaming site um, that came to a close a couple years ago. I'm a little shaky on that, but yeah. Came to a close around there, um, and they had one hell of a staff. Mike Suzek was one of my favorite personalities from that staff, so I hit him up recently on Twitter to see if he'd like to have a little chat for the show. Uh, he said yes, we recorded it over Skype, and now we have a bonus episode. So uh, yeah, just wanted to give a quick preface to all this. Um, before I do start the actual talk here, I would like to say you should follow Galactic Grizzly on Twitter. Yes, I am going to plug that. If you would like to follow Galactic Grizzly on Twitter, the link is down in the description below. It's completely free. You should already know that if you have a Twitter account. Um, so if you already have one, then that's a perfect fit. So just go ahead and click on the URL in the description below. It's twitter.com slash galactic grizz. And uh, yeah, hit follow and you can keep up with all the latest and greatest gaming and movie news as it happens. Um, you can also get updates whenever there's a new video posted on the YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it, guys. Getting into the interview here. Enjoy. What's going on, guys? It's Jay here with Galactic Grizzly and I have Mike Suzek here. What's going on, Mike? Uh, not a whole lot. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I wanted to mention, I kind of hate to bring it up, but I know that you're a Packers fan. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, did, so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched most of that game, um, but eventually it just seemed like it was, it was wrong for me to, to continue I watching. I kind it, of so. feel like watching even most of that game was like a waste of your time, you know? Like, yeah, it's going to go down. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like they were living on borrowed time. It was, it was, it was house money for half the season. So, to me, yeah. you know, going from four and six to being in the NFC Championship is is kind of awesome. And uh, I know yeah. not a lot of Packers fans feel that way around here, especially because they, they, you know, at this point, it's like Super Super Bowl or bust every year. But uh, when you lose to a team like the Falcons, so what? I mean, it, that's, right. that's the sport. That's how it goes, you know. Um, and frankly, this Super Bowl is going to be really, really awesome to watch, I think. Um, so to me, yeah, I, I mean, whatever. You know, they, it wasn't their year. That's just how it goes. As much as there's a lot of heartbreak still. And, and on top of that, everybody knows, like, I'm a diehard fan I, I went to seven games this year i got married at lambeau field i have a tattoo like a packers wow. tattoo. so yeah i'm pretty <laughs> pretty hardcore and uh you know so everybody that i know is like oh what do you think what do you think it's like guys shut up you know like i don't <laughs> right. so yeah it is it is brutal it really is but eh, whatever yeah true. I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of things i'm a pretty diehard new england fan oh nice congratulations to you that's yeah, awesome thanks thanks yeah i've i've got a patriots tattoo but i have not gotten married at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> oh, never, don't a... rule anything out, man. Just, you know, keep that keep that in your future, you know? <laughs> That's a good one, though. I'll, have to, uh, I'll definitely hang on to that. Yeah. Um, all right, but cool. Let's, let's kind of move into things. 
Um, so I have to say the first time I remember hearing you was probably about 10 years ago on the The Wire oh. podcast. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Well, first off, thank you for uh, the support for um, – that was that those were the days really i mean i i love the wire and uh i i know that their mark on the world and i say they because i kind of joined it in the late stages of its life um but their mark on the world was being the first nintendo revolution slash slash nintendo wii fan site and um you know it had a pretty devout followership as far as its podcast goes and stuff like that and uh it's funny because that i mean that was really like my first big I guess, imprint that I made in that space. And that was while I was still in school. I went to school for journalism. And so I was like, I'm going to be a writer. I want to write about games, you know, and that's something that a lot of people say. And uh, The Wire was kind of a big breakout moment for me doing podcasts. It was the first time I ever did a podcast and uh, interviewing a couple different folks and stuff and, and doing reviews and that kind of thing and really cutting my teeth. And um, the one thing, it's funny you say that you heard me because that's like probably one of my fondest memories when it comes to podcasting. I just remember when we started getting um, iTunes reviews after I started doing the podcast. And the one that stood out to me to this day is someone left a review, a one-star review, that said uh, that my voice makes them want to shove sharp things in their ears. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. You know, like, I mean, it's it was kind of like, it, it like wrecked my day for, you know, it was like, holy crap, this, this guy doesn't know me, you know, like my voice isn't that bad, you know, and, and, uh, and it's funny because over time I'm like, you know what though, like that means you stand out, I guess. And that doesn't mean you should be right. grading necessarily, but it was like, oh wow, like that actually means that someone listened to the thing I did, you know, and that was, yeah. that was always pretty important to me. So it's funny you bring up the wire. Yeah. Those are, oof, man, blast from the past. Yeah. And it's funny. That was probably the first podcast i remember listening to I, I was in i think like middle school at the time so mm -hmm. and yeah I was, I was pretty i was a pretty big fanboy of the wii so yeah. the wire was kind of like a perfect thing um yeah there were a couple of us the whole wii thing you know it's it's funny because um over the years i've always gotten flack for doing that and having that be like the thing <laughs> I did and being like the nintendo guy and stuff so yeah. there were, there's a couple of us out there you know that that know the true glory that is the wii or was right <laughs> so kind of on, on that note how did you get into the uh the gaming industry i guess going or coming from the wire yeah, so it's podcasts were a big part of that. I mean, I don't want to necessarily read off my resume, you know, but um, but you know, I, I it it I think the podcast was the big thing that I I took that and I messaged at that time I was actually a big fan of uh, the Sports Anomaly by OneUp.com, and um, that that podcast they're hilarious and I love those guys a ton, and uh, I noticed I'm like okay, you know, they don't talk a lot about the Wii and like. There's interesting sports stuff going on in the Wii, both good and bad. You know, and it was a lot of bad. You know, we we can go back to the days of the Wii and talk about the lack of, you know, mature content or whatever else, third-party support. Um, but it was interesting during those days because there were a lot of publishers doing some crazy unique things because they just were desperate to capitalize on on the phenomenon that was going on right. with control. And so, you know, I still have copies of, you know, the the Madden 09 all play with Brett Favre on the cover, you know, and I remember <laughs> I remember when people started doing the alternate cover with him in the Jets uniform and stuff and, you know, little <laughs> things that stood out. But they they were doing stuff in there like touchdown dances where you waggle the remotes around and stuff. Uh, and it was like, the <laughs> dumbest thing. But um, but. 
I noticed that this podcast, they weren't really talking about a lot of that stuff because they were kind of more the traditional gamer types. You know, they don't really play a lot of the, the motion control stuff. They were above that, I think. And so I, I shot a message to him and I said, hey, I'm noticing you guys don't have this. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm just making myself available to be a guest sometime. You know, I thought it was really bold and I'm like, I'm not going to get a reply. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the guy in charge is Todd Zuniga, who if anybody that knows Todd, he's he's amazing. He's probably one of my favorite people ever. And Todd said, yeah, sure, you know, I'll have you on. And I went from doing that one time to doing like 12 episodes and being a, a part of the show. Of course, by the end of that lifespan, um, <laughs> One Up shut down that because we all know kind of what happened to One Up over the years. And none of those guys even work for <laughs> One Up anymore. And they were still doing the podcast. So eventually they shut it down. I helped them move that over hmm. to what we called Fourth String. And that just kind of became like all about our Madden League and all about you know, just sports game stuff. And we tried making that site happen and all that. And through that being inside, being in uh, a 32 person online Madden league through all of that, thanks to the podcast, I met Kat Bailey, who is another friend of mine that uh, is now with us gamer. And actually she was recently promoted to the editor in chief, which is really amazing for her. So, um, you know, she's, uh, and at the time she was at game pro. So, you know, I, I got to know her a little bit and she said, you know, I'm going to give you, the uh, contact for our freelance editor over here, because at that point I had all, I had already done a bunch of stuff with the wire, you know, I would while and this, mind you, this is while I'm in school. So a lot of people that I'm work that I'm colleagues of mine in school are, you know, doing their normal class projects while I'm like barely making grades, most of the time failing on the side, I'm actually interviewing like a VP for Netflix about the Wii and I'm, and about all these other, you know, like, getting comments from people and, and interviewing and doing reviews because I was way too excited to do the stuff I wanted to do with the skills that I had and the skills I was learning in school. So I already had a little bit of a cushion of, of a portfolio that I could, you know, forward off some samples to uh, this editor and they took me in. And one of the things that was interesting was that they didn't have anybody to review Android games. And at that point, I had a Droid X. I wasn't cool enough to flip over to the iPhone yet like everybody else did. So they <laughs> said, hey, we want you to do this ridiculous list of the best Android games. And so I, that was my, one of my big pieces, uh, my big breakout pieces, really, uh, as far as my career goes, uh, because that was the first time I actually made money doing any of this. So at that point, through all of the wire and, and you know all that in between, yeah, I would maybe get like a podcast microphone, which I'm actually still talking on right now, and I love this thing. Um, you know, or I get other other things like that. You know, I or you know uh, copies of games or whatever. Um, you know, and have access to stuff like that. I never really made any money, so um, I did this huge list. I played like 300 Android games, and I came up with this list for game pro and i said okay here you go and i made good money on that it was it was really really great and i took out the first dollar and i actually have it framed right here it's right over right above my head actually so it's my first dollar it's like it's funny it's like i'm saying that like everybody can see that but this is very clearly an <laughs> thing but um so i you know that was that was probably one of the big things and and i i did a couple other things for them i think a review or two maybe a preview and um I wound up, you know, building up enough of a portfolio there that as GamePro was folding and that became less of an option for me, I think it was around that time, I uh, I realized, okay, I, I could start shooting for something I really, really want to do. And at that point, I was already a huge, huge fan of Joystick. They became my favorite gaming site. I love the personalities there and just the, the sort of inviting feel uh, with everything that they did that I thought, okay, what what's missing in their coverage? And... Um, 
one thing that I think has improved over the years, but at, at least at the time was still missing, was a lot of sports game stuff. Uh, because as we know, if we want to talk about the cliches in this business, um, not a lot of us nerdy types are also big sports aficionados. And you and I, we're right. different. So, you know, we're, we're more the outliers. And yeah. so um, I shot a message over to the reviews editor at the time, which is uh, Justin McElroy. And I said, I noticed that oh, I think this was when the 3DS was coming out. That sounds about right. Because I, I think my first review with them was like Pro Evolution Soccer 2011 3D for the 3DS. It was something like that. And I I decided to be a day one 3DS owner, and which was still weird. <laughs> kind of a bad investment. Uh, it turned out good in the end. But yeah, uh, so I, I messaged them. I said, OK. Do you guys need help with any reviews? You know, do, do you need help with sports ones? I can do this. You know, let me know. And he said, yeah, let's let's go for it. So I believe that was my first one with them. But I started doing sports reviews for them because I noticed then I would I would email Justin and then later on Griffin McElroy and, and then later on after that, Richard Mitchell, uh, their reviews editors. And I kept in touch with them over time saying, you guys don't have a dedicated Madden person. You know, you don't have have a dedicated FIFA person and I can take these reviews off your hands because it's good coverage for them because they, they, you know, for all intents and purposes, they get views. Uh, um, and so I, that, that was a big source of freelance, uh, you know, opportunities for me. And, and so I picked up Madden reviews and I did Madden 12 and 13 and all that. And, and that kind of became a bit of my, my thing, but that by that point I was already going to be graduating school. So I didn't really have anything to hang my hat on. And, and say like, okay, this is the next thing I'm doing. And I didn't have a steady source of income. So uh, I was about five or six months out of school. My student loans were about to kick in with repayment. And I'm like, crap, I have nothing. And meanwhile, at the time, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Twitter all the time and I'm discovering, you know, that there are, there are people, and, and I think a lot of people that are trying to kind of quote unquote break in to, to the you know video game writing business, um, they see these other people get all these opportunities and they can be like the, you don't know them, you don't know them personally, but they can come off as like the crappiest kind of people, you know, like, right. like they, they really seem like they're capitalizing on the wrong things or they're being, you know, cheap and tactical with, with their approaches to, to, you know, putting out their own self image and just kind of becoming like the next great antagonist in the video game space or, or, you know, what have you. And, and so I was getting so frustrated because I was seeing people left and right where it's like, they aren't that good. They're not getting, <laughs> you know, they're not that good. And this is what's going through my mind at the time, because of course at that point I'm bitter, you know, um, but it's like, they're not that good or they're, or they're really doing, you know, stuff the wrong way. And why am I not getting these chances? You know, I, I have the degree, I've got all this experience and it's like, I'm not getting any opportunities, you know? And, um, so I decided to blog about it, which is so unprofessional. And I did this, this, this is, uh, this is the thing that, you know, this was the long winded story about how I got hired. So I, I did a Tumblr blog about the top 10 things that you should do in order to get, get a job, except the 10 things were like satirical, not things that you would ever recommend to someone, you know, off the wall hmm. stuff like death threats and like, uh, you know, whoring yourself out on camera or whatever. It, you know, like I, I can't remember the terminology I used, but it was really, it was really bad. I was linking to like people's Twitter accounts throughout it too. Like, you know, make a, you know, like make thread <laughs> on a really popular person or like disparage someone or, you know, um, sell yourself for like 10 out of 10 reviews and stuff. And like things that I think people love to make fun of in, in, 
you know, that the games journalism world. But, um, you know, there was some elements of truth to everything that I said, you know, the kind of stuff that whether you're a reader or you're someone that's been working in it for years, you're probably both going to be complaining about it, about people behaving certain ways. So at the time, I was fortunate enough that uh, Joystick's editor in chief, Ludwig Kitzman, was following me on Twitter and he's like, I get a DM from him out of nowhere. And he's just like, I loved your blog. And I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, I, I had no idea that I would get noticed. I mean, you you expect stuff like that to be just a fart in the wind and like nobody's going to know. Yeah. And and so Luddy, uh, it turns out, shared it with the joystick team and was like, OK, this kind of like stuff needs to be rewarded. And I remember that I, I wasn't told that, but I found out years later that that's what he said. And so he came around and this is while I'm like, I've got nothing. I had this interview going on with uh, my school, UW-Milwaukee, and I was trying to become a social media person for like their arts program, which is really, really weird. Hmm. And I didn't get that job and I was so perfect for it and I killed it in the interview. And I was so bummed. I'm like, there's nothing happening for me. And then all of a sudden I get another message from Luddy offering me uh, a job as their weekend editor. And that was really the thing that, uh, you know, even though at that point I already did freelancing and you might consider that kind of breaking out in a sense and doing different podcasts and stuff. Um, ultimately making it to joystick was, you know, a goal of mine and pretty much fresh out of school. I was able to really make that happen. And it kind of grew from there. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to work with some of, uh, some of the best people to have done it you know and some amazing people that uh are are really great friends to this day so yeah that was the wrong it's a long story but um it's so (laughs) it's so weird because when i think back it's like how the heck did i make most of this happen like i almost failed out of school (laughs) like how 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 did i manage you know making that happen but i I guess you know i I, i've said this story before i think uh in one of the final joystick podcasts and it's just like i don't consider it really all that unique because there's so many people that I know to this day that are that are scraping by just because this is what they want to do um and I just count myself as kind of one of the lucky ones you know gotcha that's awesome that's that's one hell of a story um (laughs) I guess kind of on a related note um what was it like working for joystick like if you had any kind of highs and lows working there or I guess some of your most memorable moments I mean, it's really all about the people, um, which is very corny, but it's true. I mean, the, the, the people that I worked with there were so amazing and so yeah. talented. And, um, you know, I, I, I think like, uh, you know, watching them bust their asses every day to really make uh, amazing, amazing things for for the readers. Uh, and that's the thing is that like there was a real bond between uh, us, you know, uh, uh, on the writing side of things. And then the people that would actually come and hang out with us and like, whether they're in the comments or read our stuff or, or whatever, you know, it's those, mm-hmm. those occasional things that I'd get from people that are like, Hey, I really like this. It's like, okay, yeah, this is like the best thing ever. You know I mean? It was, it was, it was really cool. But, um, as far as specific things, you know, um, I will say that as fortunate and lucky as I was to be hired on as, as a weekend editor, it did not pay great. I mean, I was still, I was still at that point part-timing at, at Jimmy John's, you know, and making subs I'd make subs, I'd go home, you know, and, and I'd make it to the weekend and then I'd write about video games. And then I'd, I'd hit the Monday through Friday and I'd, I'd go back and I'd make subs and I get my free sub every day and, and I get the number five, uh, no lettuce, you know, nice. no tomato. It's the best, uh, get the cherry peppers. And, uh, and then I, and then I'd make write about games. And, and I mean, so it wasn't, 
paying the best. And, and I remember my first PAX East um, was probably the most challenging because I didn't have any money uh, in the most literal sense. But I still gotcha. managed to make I, I managed to make it out there. And um, the last day of PAX, I didn't have any money and any food. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had my last bag of change and I had to use literally my last bits of coins, like my last dimes to take the, the, the red line back to the airport. And then I like feasted on airport crackers on the plane. <laughs> and I made, I mean, it was, it was amazing. like, I, I, I really, really like, it was probably going to like your first con or your first packs or whatever is, is a really cool, really like overwhelming experience because, uh, especially the whole writing from home and writing about games and being in like, for me, I live in a little bit more of a remote part of the country. I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it's like, it's a decent enough city, but I don't know and hang out with a lot of people that are as geeky as me and, and into the, yeah. a lot of the same. So going somewhere where it's like, holy crap, everybody right. here be my best friend at a moment's notice, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I, and you know, I was able to do that and do a panel and do other stuff. And, and it was such a cool experience. So, you know, that was one of the more trying times and other times where it's like, I'm not throwing any of my editors under the bus, but some of my editors are some of the most challenging people, uh, in the best way. Um, you know, I, Susan Arndt and Zab Damatos, um, two in particular <laughs> or, or Luddy himself, uh, if he's ever editing you, um, God, there are times where his command of the English language is like incredible. Um, but but Zav, I remember one time I, I wrote something. I wrote a piece. It was like a, a feature for Zav because obviously he's features editor. And I believe he used the terms, this is bad writing <laughs> to me. And, you know, the thing is, is it sounds and maybe he would be kind of upset if I said that out loud right now. But the truth is, is it made me better. And and, you know, some of them are so tough. And, and that's the thing that people don't realize. Like, we don't just crap out words and be like, there. It's like a lot of it is very <laughs> intentional. And and some of the editing on those bigger pieces, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth. I've had to completely scrap and rewrite reviews before. And, you know, that's not a small endeavor. That's, you know, 1,200 plus words. And that sucks. <laughs> that That's not the feeling. But um, I look back at that now, and, and it actually made me a much better writer because uh, – yeah, you know, you have those days where you have the imposter syndrome and it's like, okay, I'm I'm the worst person ever to do this. And other days where you're like flying high, like this is this is awesome. And um, you know, there there's a lot of that, but um finding ways to just sort of have fun and goof off together is always a good time. And there was one day as a weekend editor, um, I would sneak in references to burritos throughout the all of my posts that day. And then at the very end, I did a whole thing that like was I basically changed our I think it was like our webcomic wrap up to be like the burrito wrap up. And I had someone that was like, you've been doing this all day. Was that your that was your whole thing? And I was like, yeah, that was my whole thing. You know, uh, I mean, we just we always had a lot of fun with what, that kind of stuff and joystick streams with Anthony and all that. You know, there, there's just way too many good moments, I think, to really say. Um, and then the ultimate bad moment uh, is just getting <laughs> shut down because that, that, you know, that's just right. the sober kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if I gave you enough specifics there, but, uh, oh, no, no. There, there's, there's so many, so many good things. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine, um, going, cause it is funny how we, we kind of sit at home, like from our computers and it, even though you've got your buddies all around the country and you talk to other nerds. You don't really realize it until you go to your first convention. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I haven't been to uh, like PAX or anything like that, but I have been to um, 
like Comic Con and MegaCon here in mm-hmm. Florida. <laughs> but um, I mean, that to me, that was close enough. Just like getting to see that in person. But yeah, even just the small ones. I mean, it, you know. Some people that that attend that that set up as vendors or whatever, they have a lot of passion. And um, I think the thing is, is that like, you know, I kind of bring that up a little bit because like the thing that got me into the business was writing disparagingly about others. And I I came around after the fact when I I got to go and see a lot of what people did and see like the cosplayers and all that. And and it really helps you realize like that's not really fair, you know, like that. Everybody kind of celebrates this stuff in their own ways, and, and they do it in a yeah. way that's that's really amazing. And so I think I've gained more of an appreciation for people, I, you know, doing this. Uh, even though you deal with a lot of trolls and, and a lot of like crappy people too, um, it's all good though. It really is. Gotcha. So after Joystick shuts down, what was it like, kind of transitioning to your your next job? Like, did you try and stay yeah. within the gaming industry, or did you not mind going outside of it as much? Yeah. Um, well, I mean that, that day was one of the toughest days. Um, cause for me, I, I, and I know that I wasn't alone there, but it was my favorite thing. You know, joystick was everything to me. Um, I might still get a joystick tattoo. I'm considering that, uh, if AOL <laughs> did ape the brand the way they did today, then I would, I would probably do it already. But, um, it was, it, it was such an amazing time there. And it, I was such a huge fan that that day, you know, it was was the toughest because it just felt like you just wanted to stop time. You didn't want mm-hmm. it that you wouldn't want five o'clock on February third to happen. You know, it just it was it sucked. You know, um, and that day I was up for about thirty hours because I was doing the the final Joystick Presents podcasts because I figured if there was any way to to really send us off, it was doing you know getting getting everybody in front of a microphone and kind of like this and and having their own kind of spotlight and talking about their experiences and getting their stories out there. And I still have them out there. Nobody really listens to them. Um, I might put them out there again sometime, but you know, the thing is, is that it's kind of become forgotten these days. I mean, we're about two years after it got shut down and, uh, and I, it is crazy, isn't it? You know, I, I think about it a lot though, cause it had such a mark on my life, but, um, you know, the thing is, is for so many people, it was just a website that was bookmarked and, you know, then they could delete the bookmark and go somewhere else. I mean, it, that's just kind of how it is. But like for us, it was yeah. our every, it was our everything, man. Like it, that was my life. And, um, you know, I met people that are lifelong friends through it. And so afterwards, you know, after that, you know, we after I literally the moments after I put my my headphones down and we stopped our joystick stream, you know, after it was all done and I just sobbed, like I had no idea what was coming next. And it's terrifying because you just don't know what's happening. But, uh, luckily we started, you know, keeping in touch as actively as we could. And we all picked each other up. And so some people had opportunities right away and other ones had to wait for weeks or months to, for their turn really. And, um, so some of us stayed in, you know, obviously Jess, you know, Jess Condit, she's at Engadget and she's been rocking it there. I mean, she's, she's as good as she ever was. She, I, I hate saying this because if you say something like this, it's going to make other people that you're friends with think bad about themselves, but she's the best in the business as a reporter. She really is. Hmm. And, and, um, and yeah, you know, I, I say that with a lot of, a lot of love for her because ultimately that's what it that's what it's about, you know, not not anything bad about anybody else. But she has been doing amazing stuff there. And, and I've seen other people, you know, do some awesome stuff. Um, and a lot of them, for the most part, I would say stayed in games. But 
for me, I think for me, joystick was it. It was the pinnacle. And I, and I did have some offers and some, some potential to go elsewhere, but it didn't feel the same. And so I was looking around for a lot of opportunities in my community and just thinking, what can I do in Milwaukee? What can I do that would maybe take my, me in a different direction, but still use my skills? Because I mean, I loved making videos and making podcasts and making just graphic design stuff and web work. Like, I mean, I was more than a writer and I loved expressing that whenever I could and just sharpening those skills. And um, so I suddenly found an opportunity opportunity in the nonprofit world. And, uh, and ever since now I've been doing marketing work for uh, boys and girls clubs and, you know, trying awesome. to just help out. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I hate talking about it cause it's self. So it sounds so self aggrandizing or whatever, but you know, <laughs> like I, I love my, I love my job and I, I love that, you know, now I can <clears throat> go from doing something that was for me, which was a lot of the video game stuff. And I'm not done with that. Cause that's the other side of it. I'm still doing some of that. Um, it, you know, some of that to, that was for me versus, you know, doing something that can benefit others. And, um, so ever since then, now I went from, that was a huge transition. I went from being in sweatpants all day at home to having to like, I got ties and like, I got like, (laughs) I couldn't just wear jeans. I, I, I had to like put on real people clothes and drive a car. I didn't have a car. Uh, because I never needed one and you know, my Gosh. wife and I would split it at, you know, split the car whenever we needed it. But, and she's a nurse, so she, she was fine. She took care of herself, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, at that point we were planning our wedding and that was in 2015 also. So, uh, I went from sweatpants, no car to suddenly have a car about to get married and, you know, getting laid off when you're, when you're planning a wedding sucks by the way. Uh, and suddenly buying a car and like, yeah, and now I drive downtown every day and, and and work in an office with a bunch of people and do like marketing stuff. And uh, I never thought I'd be into marketing because it sounds so soulless, but the purpose is is still there. You know, I I, I talk about kids all day, <laughs> like awesome kids. Uh, so <laughs> there's nothing wrong there. But um, you know, the nice thing is that I still I have so many people that I've been friends with, with through games that I've kept in touch a lot. And um, you know, through that now I. I also do uh, licensing work for Out of the Park Developments, so Out of the Park Baseball and Franchise Hockey Manager uh, for PC and Mac and all that. So, uh, mm. you know, we I, I basically handle a lot of licensing stuff with MLB and NHL and MLBPA, and um, so I mean I still kind of keep in the gaming world a little bit, and I have my own independent projects. I've done a little bit of consulting work that I can't necessarily talk about because of NDAs, yeah, but. Sure. Uh, you know, I've tried. I've tried carrying a lot of what I what I still do on the side in the game game space to still help others out and stuff. And um, you know, I've had some some developers that I've worked with here and there to just like, hey, you know, they'll they'll ask tips like, what do I do to try and get more press, or you know, what do I do to get this Kickstarter project off the ground and stuff. And so I've kind of helped out others while I can, where I can, usually pro bono, just just cause. You know, I I still love games and still want to do stuff with that and i could see myself dipping back into that someday but uh for the time being i'm pretty happy so yeah it's been a massive massive change though because you know when you go from being completely convinced that this is your life this is what you're destined to do this is what you're going to do um and having that rug pulled out from under you um it's really really strange and and i think that's where it's kind of like it deals you a tough lesson that your life changes and that you know nothing is ever really there. There isn't necessarily one thing out there for you. You can really find a lot of happiness elsewhere. And it's 
just your job too. Like it really is. You can still do stuff that makes you happy. Like I, I still do. I still do some independent development stuff and, and I'm working on my own projects. I'm hoping one day I can call myself an indie dev. Uh, you know, maybe that'll happen, you know, and, and on top of that, we, we have four in February coming up. So I still try and keep initiatives like that going. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, so uh, kind of on a, a related note, um, Nintendo has sort of recently unveiled their next chapter. Um, so what are your just general thoughts on the Switch? Uh, like, do you intend on getting one? Um, what do you think of the games that they've got announced so far? Um, pros, cons about it that you have seen so far? So <laughs> I am happy that you started out with this whole wire business, you know. And before that, <laughs> by the way, before that, I actually started out with my Wii News. And and so that I, I forgot to give a shout out to my Wii News and then the wire <laughs> because I got pulled over to the wire afterwards. Uh, so I, I did a bunch of the Nintendo stuff, man. I love Nintendo. I love all their games. I think the which I think the switch sucks. I think it's going to be a failure. Like I, I am the most negative on this thing out of anybody I know. <laughs> and I do not understand why this boxing game. I saw people saying that this is literally people that I respect are saying that that game is going to be at like fighting game conventions and stuff or uh, tournaments. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not going to be that. Why do you think it is? Look at the thing. You're using motion controls, guys. Like we're dialing ourselves back a decade right now. It. I I'm sorry. I think it's going to suck. Um, I have very little faith in the, in what they've already announced as a stable lineup of games. There just is not enough right now because the thing I don't understand is that I, I have a lot of friends that are like, yeah, oh, man, the really, really weak lineup. So I already pre-ordered mine. Like what, <laughs> what, <laughs> why are you throwing your money away? The games are not going to be there. There's nothing in the last two consoles of, of the last two consoles put out home consoles put out by Nintendo. There's nothing that tells me it's going to be well supported enough mm other than it being a Nintendo machine. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting sick of some of the stuff that Nintendo's doing. It's starting to turn into a lot of the same old, same old business, right? Yes. It really is. I mean, I I love Mario games, but like, okay, we hit Galaxy, incredible. All right, Galaxy 2. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's great. It's it's more of the same. Who doesn't love that? Okay, Super Mario 3D World. Well, yeah, you know, that's, that's good. You know, I'm happy they did the side scrolling. Now they're doing this. Like, that's, it's a good game, but... What are they doing? What are they doing that that isn't the same crap? Honestly, there's like little yeah. There's it's rinse repeat, and it's like oh well, we has a cat suit now. Are we getting excited about Catwoman again? Because that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. Like where's Halle Berry? That movie sucked. We don't have to even <laughs> pretend anymore that 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 is even significant in our lives. It's not. Um, there's just I don't know. I'm sorry. Like there's it, it's getting really. I'm just kind of tired of, of, of playing the same game where there is, uh, we get taken on the nostalgia trips that Nintendo wants to take us on. And then the ones that really want a lot of us really, really want, I'm not talking necessarily like mother three or anything or an actual good star Fox game, or I don't know, maybe a good Metroid game. Cause that was secretly their best series. I, it's not, it's just, it's not even just about, those nostalgia things there's just not enough there and i don't have the the uh trust that that third party support is going to be there 
And what they really needed is they needed a system that was going to, honest to God, match what the Xbox One and PS4 can do. And at this point, the people that they're hinging on are ones that are going to take this thing out and then take it on the go and then put it back in and then play at home. Who is really going to do that? Are you going to throw kids in the car and they're going to play on the go? And then what happens when the battery fizzles out? What happens when with supposedly I've heard, and this is where it's, you know, it's rumors and everybody's still speculating on the system about processing power dips, uh, you know, or, or, you know, it, it doesn't perform as well when it's on the go versus when it's cradled at home. I've heard things about that, but I don't know what's true and what's not, but it's like, that's, that kind of really is indicative of all things Nintendo, isn't it? Because we, we kind of keep getting back to this, like, well, there's a whole bunch of caveats as to why this thing sucks. Their online infrastructure is probably going to be terrible, right? I mean, They've done nothing that tells us it's going to be smart and, and, you know, work well, let alone what is that they have a monthly game giveaway thing and then the games go away. Is that true? Is that a thing? Because why? Why? Why do you do this? Why do you shoot yourselves in the foot so often? So I feel like if this was a system made by practically anybody other than Nintendo, it would be better. But because it's Nintendo, it's going to be garbage. And it's going to be one of those things where everybody gets hyped up about, and then we wait a year before anything else significant other than the first three games that everybody cares about happens, and then it's going to collect dust. And we're going to be back to the whole, oh, well, it's collecting dust. And the only thing that we can hinge on as to why it's going to sell out is because they don't make enough of them. That's what they're going to do. They're going to yep. choke the supply out, and then people are – and I'm I'm sorry, by the way. You have no listeners, listeners anymore because they hate me. But um, – <laughs> It's the truth. I mean, they've done this now. How many times feels like forever. The Wii was like the biggest one where it's like, oh, I got to get this Wii. This thing's amazing. And it's sold out for like 50 years. What am I going to do? It's like, super cross one. It's this Walmart over here. Go, go get it. It's like, oh my God, I got a Wii. And and then you played it for like a day. It's like, oh, you know, okay. It's, you know, it's really cool, but there's not a lot to it. And we're doing this over and over and over again. And I get that the 3DS was awesome. It's a really good system. But at the same time, even that comes with its own caveats. I know that no system's perfect, but they're just why, – why would I get one? I still haven't been able, been able to answer that question. Like when people tell me about the scenarios in which the Switch parts of the Switch make sense for them, they're so incredibly unique and, and narrowed that it's like, guess what? You are one out of a thousand. You know, nobody else is doing the stuff you're doing. You know, not everybody is taking a train every day and they're going <laughs> to sell down the go and not be ashamed of that while they're sitting in the train car. Like you are alone. That, I'm telling you, Nintendo Switch people, you are alone. This thing is not going to go well. I promise you. I'm okay, being the, same I'm, boat. I'm okay being the Skip Bayless of this whole thing, but it's true. <laughs> It is. I know it's a tough pill to swallow because we all love Luigi, but it's not going to go well. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so you wanted to know? No, I'm not getting one. <laughs> I will, though, when they actually show me that, that there are enough games. And for me, that threshold is like minimum four or five. And that's really yeah. – th- those are like I, – I know that they're really good. You know, that, like not even just like – B games, like I'm talking A, A plus games. I, I have to have enough at this point to buy a whole new system. I got too many consoles here. Why do I need another one? You know? 
Yeah, exactly. And one that doesn't really compete with the current ones. Right. Right. I mean, I mean and yeah, the new Zelda is, is a Wii U game, too. So I got no yeah. reason to buy it on Switch, do I? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think the funniest thing, though, is the online thing. The fact that oh, Nintendo, yeah. out of all people who can't seem to make anything work online, are trying to charge people now for an online Seriously. System. When on what planet would I ever pay for an online service for them? What, why would I ever like like I don't just buy stuff because it says Nintendo on it. And and the people that do like God bless them, but like you're living in the like late eighties guys, like you really are. <laughs> but, but I just I have no reason to do that. Like I, I already pay for Xbox Live. I pay for PS Plus. I've got a million yeah. other subscriptions out there. And I don't know. I think they have to realize that. That their audience is growing, like uh, growing in age. We're getting older. <laughs> we are aging. Not in, in fans. Yeah. Like, but like, yeah, it's like I, I grew up with Nintendo. I have a family. Like, the Switch doesn't seem like the kind of console that makes sense from that perspective. I know that they're still trying to hit that demographic where it's like, good for you and the kids. And it's like, eh, that, that was the Wii and the Wii U and. I don't think anybody, any of them, like a, a lot of parents are going to look at that and say, oh, but why do we need this? You know, why? Yeah. Why? I, I don't think they answered that question. They haven't. Yeah, it's going to fail. It's just going to fail. I'm sorry, Nintendo. You screwed up. <laughs> you done. You done goofed. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> so another thing that I mean, I personally think is going to flop. What are your, your thoughts on VR and where that's currently at? Because I mean, it's been out for. In about a year now, roughly, depending on which headset you're, you're thinking about. But um, I, I to me, it kind of seems like a fad, but what are your thoughts on it? You know, I feel like fad is such a strong, difficult term for people because they don't. nobody wants to be told that the thing they love is a, is a fad. <laughs> you know, nobody wants. Yeah, nobody really wants to hear that, you know. Um, but there is, I think, some elements of truth to that. Not that it is something that is guaranteed to fade out, but that... that at its peak with VR, it became this hot topic and people wanted to know more about it and really wanted to get into it. And, you know, I, I actually, um, I think the, the future of VR really has a lot to do with the mobile space in my opinion, personally, because, you know, I, I was at, at Christmas, uh, there are kids there, you know, a bunch of family around and everything was like Christmas day. You know, I'm at my, my wife's cousin's place and, um, kids brought out one of those, one of those headsets that you could, you know, plug a Samsung phone into or something. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they gave a demo off to this, to my wife's uncle and he's a, a little older. He's not too old or anything. He, he's definitely with it with the times. But, um, I, I, I just remember watching him strap it on and like do like a roller coaster thing and just seeing his reactions. And I think like, you know, those sorts of moments are what sell people on VR, excuse me, as like a, a viable, you know, entertainment medium, but, um, the, the biggest deterrent is always going to be the price and a lot of the, a lot of the extra stuff you need to make that work. You know, if a VR headset yes. could just be a VR headset on its own, that's a different proposition. <laughs> if you, if you told me, Hey, drop $300 clean and then any games you want to go with it, you're set. I'd be like, okay. You know I mean? Like it's funny cause I'm debating about why I don't want to spend $300 on a Nintendo switch. But at the same time, if, you know, if I had a $300 VR, VR headset, I would think seriously about it. I'm not a big VR person. I've used it a little bit here and there, not very much. So I can't say that I've had the experiences that have sold some of my friends on it. 
but at the same time, you know, I'm, I like having a bigger screen in front of me. I don't, I don't want something that's going to hurt my neck or, you know, or something that might give me headaches, you know, like yeah. I, I don't need extra risk. You know, I <laughs> like, like I play video <laughs> games on a couch at home. I am already trying to avoid every risk in life possible. You know, like at that very moment, I'm trying to find my safe space because I am, I'm special like that, you know, like I don't need that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the whole VR headset thing, I, I think is really cool, but it, I, I do worry about price points for that stuff. And um, I think that the ones like the Morpheus and stuff for the, for the PS4 and some of the console based stuff is going to be the most interesting thing to me, um, mostly because I'm such a not PC gamer. Um, I just think that, you know, if you if you try and tell the, the common person, you know, that the non hardcore gamer, hey, OK, so you kind of have to get this really nice computer and you got to get this headset, but it's really awesome. Trust me. They're going to be like, I don't want to spend, you know, 12 to $1,500. Like, right. why would I, why would I do that? You know, um, they're just, I just don't know that the, the support is there necessarily in terms of the audience. Um, and that said, I got friends that are working on stuff in VR. I got friends that are obsessed with VR and they love it. I know someone that sold his Oculus and now just got, you know, the upgraded kit. And I, when he sold it, I thought, oh, he's done with VR. Wow. And it's like, no, he turns out he's all in on VR. He just needed to get the next thing already. Um, I don't know many people that did that. And, and he's all over it. And he's, you know, posting videos on his Facebook of like projects he's working in VR and stuff like that and telling me about it, you know, recently. And I just think that, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be all about what is the killer app for it. You know, if you have to use that, that tech industry term, the killer app, uh, I don't know if it's there yet. I just haven't seen anything personally that really jumps out that tells me it's not just a cool thing that gamers are going to love. It has to be a cool thing that is going to sell the product, you know, to yeah, to a okay. wider audience. And that isn't there yet. And and frankly, I worry that it won't get there already because we've already been working so hard on selling people the idea of strapping this headset on. But I feel like that needed to be introduced with with stronger material to begin with. Um and that's the thing that I, I'm just not sure is there yet, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule VR out necessarily. The fact that it's stuck around this long, you know, as as both the concept and as a, an actual consumer device, um, in at least in some respects. I mean, obviously, I came from the gaming world, so I knew a lot of people that had them for a while before I would say everybody got their first Oculus, you know. Um, but still, you know, it, it really became a it became something that that has stuck around long enough to tell me that. Yeah. Okay. You know, I think it'll, it'll be around. I just don't know that it's going to take over the way a lot of people think it it will, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I've tried a couple here and there, um, after kind of getting over the, the, the wow factor of it, it, right. I think you nailed it with there. There's just not that killer app right now, uh, that, you know, that one game or experience that everybody's like, dude, you got to try this. Like that's just not there at the moment. Well, and, and you kind of bring it up. The wow factor goes away, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a that's the kind of medium, it's a kind of device that hinges on having that wow factor. When that's gone, what else what else do you have? You know, truly. Yeah. yeah. All right, but uh switching gears from that, uh I guess earlier you were mentioning the uh, going to packs and different conventions. Um E3, do you think that's <laughs> staying around? Uh like do you think this is the last uh, year or I mean, I I really haven't been keeping up with the e3 news as far as this summer but uh what do you think about it 
I haven't, I can't, I can say that I, I definitely haven't kept up too much as far as E3 stuff goes um, myself. So everything that you're going to hear is all speculation and based on my experience and stuff. E E3 is such an, a really fascinating show because all the other shows are truly fun and E3 is like hell. <laughs> from a, I've heard. My, yeah, from a games press perspective, it's not, it's not fun. It, you know, it, it's so, so much work. Um, that probably was was one of the moments, though, that I was most proud of being a part of the team at Joystick, though, because uh, E3 2014 was when we were covering Xbox One and PS4. I think that was the year that they were they were unveiling them, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. yeah? Yep. Um, and so that year, their press conferences were pretty crazy. And, um, you know, what what happens in that newsroom for us, you know, we're writing at a hotel. Um, and watching the streams just like everybody else. But a number of us would break off and then go to where the events are being held and then sitting in the audience and like live blogging it. You know, so they, they, they're in the audience doing the live blog and then the rest of us are back in the hotel and we're writing posts and getting stuff up and out there. So that way people can have spots to start commenting on it if they're watching along with us and, you know, kind of be engaging and be being right there when everything's happening. And, um, that that year, I was sort of put in charge as being like, okay, you got to run the newsroom. You know, you have to. Um, and I was still like, what? Like you're trusting me, you know? Um, and, and in retrospect, I don't know if Alexander made the right choice there, but uh, it actually actually went great. And and what makes it easy is when you have people that are so so good. And our news writers were. And again, like when I heap praise on people, I'm always worried that I'm making others feel bad because I've got so many friends that are still in the business, you know, um, mm. but but they were truly the best in the business at, at like we had the best reporters, man. Our news team rocked. And that E3, we, we crushed it um, as far as, you know, doing news and everything. And the thing that's really dawned on me, you know, I, that was only what my second E3, you know, and so I've only gone to I think. Yeah, I think I had only gone to two at that point. And the thing that really stood out to me is that I could see it already over those two years really starting to shrink. I feel like the second E3, I noticed there was gaps in the show floor, you know, like off in the corner. It's like, kind of feel like there could have been a booth here, you know, or you start noticing uh, the approach that, you know, excuse me, that publishers and that PR is taking and noticing that, that, they're slowly starting to focus on some other probably high high yield audiences, you know, um, especially with the explosion of Twitch and online streaming and the way that you can connect directly with your audience. Um, I don't blame anybody in the industry. And, and this is where it is for as much flack as I give Nintendo. It made so much sense for them to no longer go to E3 from a so from a honest. yeah from a press conference perspective when they started doing you know the the um what do they call them god the nintendo uh treehouse uh, well the treehouse yeah but what do they call the nintendo direct when they started okay. doing nintendo directs um they were killing it and they were so ahead of the game and it made so much sense for them because uh you know for nintendo for the way that they love to to really connect directly with their audience, uh, you know, the, the Luigi lovers. I don't know why I hinge on <laughs> Luigi. It's just like everybody loves Luigi. But um, but they it made so much sense for them to do it. And I really think that that's sort of planting a flag and saying, 
okay, we can get by fine without doing the big E3 press conference. And we we can have a booth there that people can walk up and play games. And it makes so much sense for them. And their booth is fun, you know. It's But it's mostly just stands where people can go and pick up a Wii U controller, you know, and 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 kind of hang out and play whatever's whatever's coming around the bend, and um, and I think that that is kind of the direction that E three will slowly start to go in, uh, because it, I just don't think it makes as much sense anymore, and that's where I I'm really at this point. This is more of a guess for me because I don't have a lot of the insight that maybe someone at a big publisher does that still you know likes to make big announcements at E three. I just I just think that you don't have to do the big announcement at E3 anymore. I think that's starting to be proven. You can do some social media teases that lead into, you know, a live stream event and then have that yeah. be sponsored by someone and have that take over someone else's homepage and do whatever else. I mean, there there are so many ways that you can run those sorts of things that yeah. you do not need the big E3 announcement. You just don't because what's going to happen? Everybody's watching it on Twitch anyway, right? And you know that you have yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that you can hinge on is when it's E3, you're going to get a lot more mainstream media coverage and you're maybe going to get, you know, tech blogs and whatever else that are going to cover you. Um, but you could still get that. You could still get that press, you know. So I, I do feel like that is going to slowly go by the wayside. And I would personally hope that E3 doesn't go away, but maybe turns back into being a little bit more of a consumer focused event instead of being just a press focused event. Um, but I would say the one thing is that one of the valuable things about having these events is giving press access because that's one of the number one things that that you need in the press is to be able to get in there with a developer and get to asking them some honest questions. And um, E3 provides that in a way that the other events don't, mostly because the Penny Arcade Expos, the, the PAXs of the world especially, um, they give you the, the press hour the first day, and then the day after – You've got to wait like the rest of everybody, which sounds great if you don't work in the press. It is hell when you have a 10 o'clock appointment, the doors open at 10, and a security guard is telling you, I don't care, you're not getting in. Um, that sucks because then guess what happens? It takes me 15, 20 minutes to get across the show floor, and yeah. my readers are suffering as a result because I'm not getting in there, seeing their game, you know, getting to talk to them as much as I want. You know, Those events really aren't conducive to creating good coverage for people. Versus E3, which is a press-focused event, or should be, I should say. There's certainly a lot of people that are, you know, GameStop employees or whatever else that are just there to have fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely I, I could see it going by the wayside myself. Um, I just think that that the smartest thing they could do with E3 is is turning it back into the E3 of old. Um, not you know, in some ways, I should say, and having it be a little bit more you know fun and consumer-focused. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Um, moving on from there, um, as far as the games that are coming out this year, do you have any uh, more anticipated Mass games Effect. that you're looking forward to? Mass Effect. Hey, I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. <laughs> I am such a huge fan of that series. And I am... So so take what I was saying about Nintendo. Right? <laughs> like, I am a jerk <laughs> about Nintendo these days. I really am. Um, and then just, like, flip it to the opposite, where I'm going from being, like, cynical and hateful to being, like, a total fanboy, and I don't care what anybody says, it's going to be amazing. That's where I am with Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, I love what I'm seeing with this game. 
And I, yes. I love personally, I love the Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition style that it could potentially be. I think that that's actually what's needed in the series because that trilogy had a very finite ending. Not everybody was a fan of it, but let's just face it, it was finite. It, you know, they, it told one story across three games, and we have to just go somewhere else in this universe and do something else. And I think that having something that feels a little more open where you can shape your experience a little more and not have it just be one linear narrative that you, you know, branch off a little bit from. I think it makes sense for the series. And I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that kind of liked the ending, not a ton <laughs> of three, but, um, but I, I love three as a whole. Two is probably my favorite game ever, uh, or up there. And I read, I read books. I read Mass Effect books as well. So I'm really, really invested <laughs> in the series. Um, and I would say that it's probably not close. Although I should say, is Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out this year? I forget. I believe it's it's supposed it to is, as of right now. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I, I want to see a release date before I get too hyped. It, yeah. But that, that you know, I feel like you can kind of rely on Rockstar delivering big. Um, and that's going to be one that's a long time coming. So I would say... For sure that, you know, that's coming out and uh, Night in the Woods, as far as if you want to go down to like a little bit more of the indie level of things, um, that's God, that's in a couple weeks, I think. And um, so, you know, there's a couple of uh, games around there, but um, Mass Effect. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Mass Effect. Why? I've <laughs> seen too many people that are like, oh, I don't know. It's like, what do you not know with Mass Effect? Just like, you know, it's funny. I've I've actually never played any of the games. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> but this, from what I have seen, this one really has me intrigued. It's it's my most anticipated one uh, of the year. Well, that's yeah, I've, I've never I, played I, any. I think you should shut yourself in for for a month. Hey, you know what? Let me transition into my own little thing I want to promote here. Okay, can I do that real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. There is an initiative I started a number of years ago. I believe we're in the fifth year already, if I'm not mistaken. Which holy crap! It's called Four in February, and I don't. If you've seen anything about this or if anybody that, that might be watching or listening uh, have seen anything about this, but it's an initiative where the challenge is try to beat four games in February. And uh, huh. why, why February, you may ask? Well, it's the best month of the year. And I'm sorry to anybody that, that believes otherwise, but they're wrong. Um, mostly because the Super Bowl happens that month and it only is 28 days. Sometimes you get an extra day, which is amazing. Not any, No other month can say that. Um, I was born in that True. month, so it's really great. <laughs> and, and and Valentine's Day happens. Everybody's in love. And so it's really awesome. But, um, yeah, the challenge is, is basically um, a couple years ago I came up with this idea of, uh, of you know, everybody has a, a terrible backlog. And we all complain about it all the time. And I thought, okay, we're, we're all talking about there's too many games coming out. I, got, I don't have time to play these other ones. I figured it would be fun to have like what would basically amount to being like video game month, you know, and four in February came to mind. It's like, what if you had a challenge where you set aside four games? And you say, I'm playing these four games just because you want to take four games out of your backlog and and get rid of them, you know, in, in the month of February. And just that's what you do for February. And so um, it's taken off a little bit. And we are we're doing it again this year. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Facebook.com slash four in February four is spelled out. Um, and the hashtag number four IF four IF is, uh, the hashtag we use as well. So that way if people are on Twitter, they can kind of follow along too and like name their four games and do it. And I bring it up because I think you should do at least one mass effect game in February. I think you should make that a goal. 
and I hope you are going to say that you have them because you should own them. <laughs> but I'm putting this out there as a challenge to you that your four in February should maybe be at least one game and make that one game a Mass Effect game for sure. Are any of them backwards compatible on Crap, I on think Xbox? so, actually. I'm, actually, I think they are. We're going to have to Google this. Do you do live podcast Googling? Because I think you're about oh, to. Of course. Okay. <laughs> Mass Effect backwards compatibility. Uh, yes, that happened in November, actually, as it turns out. Really? Uh, added backwards compatibility for Mass Effect 2 and 3. I'm not sure about 1. Um, but, but Mass Effect 2 and 3, which, by the way, I mean, Mass Effect 2 is incredible, so... I personally am a huge fan of one as well, but if you skipped that and went right to two, you know, that wouldn't be bad for you necessarily. So it's worth <laughs> considering, man. I'm just putting it out there. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably try at least one, at least try and knock out one. Good. That's what you should do. I'm just putting it out there. And then anybody that's listening is it's welcome to join the challenge. Yeah. It's not <laughs> just Mass Effect games. Um, I'm actually announcing my four games uh, tomorrow. And I am going to do a podcast exclusive and tell you what they oh, are. Snap. So I'm doing Portal 2 uh, for 360. Uh, Shadow nice. Complex, because I never finished that. Transistor on PS4. And then uh, a game called Love You to Bits on iPad. Because I always like to try and sneak a mobile game in there, too, whenever I'm doing mine. Because it's cool to give love to some of those developers. And I've seen a lot of cool things about Love You to Bits. I don't know much about it. It seems like kind of a cute little story about uh, a... a Space guy, space guy who's like robot girlfriend gets exploded and you have to bring her parts back together. So her hmm. bits, I guess. So that's that's what I'm playing. And Portal 2, I've been yelled at many times by a friend of mine for not playing it uh, ever, even though I own it. So uh, it's time to kick that one off my backlog. So there you go. Nice. I, I'm <laughs> Same here with Portal. I've, I've played the first one, never got into the second one. Yeah, yeah. I've heard only good things, though, but uh, we'll see. I guess we will. Uh, and then I guess the last thing on the flip side of the games, most anticipated movies of the year. Ooh, oof, man. Well, I just recently saw Rogue One, and I kind of feel like Last Jedi needs to be said here, right? Because <laughs> isn't that going to be late 2017? Yeah, yeah. Right? The, the new Star Wars? Uh, so I'm probably going to say that. You know, I love movies, but I don't really go as often as I should. Um, but I would say I'm going to twist this conversation and say TV shows. And I am finally going to dip into the OA soon. I just finished Westworld. Hmm. And so I'm kind of more, you know, as far as, as far as watching stuff goes, I'm more on the TV side of things. So I think most anticipated then is probably Game of Thrones coming back. Because we're still in uncharted territory with that show now, like fully, you know, I don't think there's anything left from the books and George R. R. Martin doesn't know how to write anymore. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this. He actually forgot. And that's why we're never going to get any more books from him. Huh. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for that coming back because uh, it's going to be really cool to see what direction that story goes in. So Game of Thrones. I, I know you asked about movies, but it's like one really long movie so broken up into pieces. <laughs> no? Are you a Stranger Things fan? That's on my list. I haven't watched that yet. Gotcha. I was thinking about making Stranger Things. It's one of my entries for four in February yeah. uh, because I like to break down rules and not make it 
about games. So, I mean, I've had people that ask me like, oh, you know, can I do something that I've already played before? But it's like, yeah, you make your own rules. Nobody cares. You know, like, it's not like, it's not like I'm going to come to your house and knock it out of your hands. You know, like there's, there's nothing you can do about it. But, um, but stranger things, I was thinking about making that one. And if I knock something off my list, that will be the thing that goes on it. Most likely. Yeah. Is that, did you watch stranger things? Yeah, I did. Okay. Give me like a, a, a out of 10 number like tell me how important it is i need to watch this i'd say i'd give about an eight okay yeah. okay you know with that kind of scoring you could be a games <laughs> reviewer <laughs> but yeah man I, I think that's gonna do it that was the last thing i had here awesome. um awesome right was there anything else that you wanted to mention anything you want to plug I want to issue a public apology to Nintendo fans <laughs> for, you know, for right. just, I, I, you know what? I hope, I hope it works out for you guys. I really do. <laughs> I do. I, I love Nintendo. Yeah. I'm just, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry for being a meanie, <laughs> I guess I'll put it that way. But, uh, you know, I would say that any, anybody that, yeah, anybody that happens to be listening and yourself included Jay, you know, I think that, um, you know, I would want to say thanks because, uh, I think for me, joystick especially, you know, um, was such a huge, important part of my life. And, um, you know, the thing is, is it's so cool to see, uh, you know, people's passion for everything with games and with that and stuff and, and seeing people really, really doing that and making it happen, you know, week in, week out with the podcasts and, and let's plays and videos and stuff like that. And, um, you know, thanks for still having me be a part of that space, you know, cause I, I thought for a second there that the second I kind of like left games in a big way that suddenly everybody would unfollow me on Twitter and nobody would care. And like, like my, I would just become irrelevant. And, and I'm not saying that like, uh, I'm so popular and famous. Like that's not the case at all. But, um, I think it's just, it's really meaningful to me that, that I've been given that kind of voice. And, um, you know, I, I don't take that for granted. So I would want to say, you know, I don't joystick closed and I never felt like I really got to express it. Um, a million times over that like thanks to people that that hung around and that were a part of that like that's like that's family to me you know not just the people that that you know worked there but people that were just part of that all like we had commenters that i became friends with because they just commented on that's articles awesome. like it's so weird you know it's, it's just so weird you know like you know you inviting me to just talk to you today it was like i was looking forward to that all week man like it's it's so meaningful to me and and it's especially this day and age when everybody's so divided yeah. on things it's Im so important for us to have these sorts of things that we can just wrap our arms around and and be a part of and feel like we're a part of and um you know it, it's just important that we keep doing this kind of stuff as right. much as possible uh i think it's it's awesome so I, I would say thanks. You know, thank you for having me. Um, it's awesome. I'm available anytime. Sure, I'm like one of those like I'm one of those stand up comedians <laughs> that only does house shows that like that like once made it big one time. You know, he he did the garden one time. That's all he talks about. <laughs> and then it's like now he doesn't do anything. But it's like I'm available. Right. I'm like, oh, man, remember when he did that thing? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he did that thing with the joystick for a while. And oh yeah, I think I remember him. What's what's his name? Is what's his name? Richard Mitchell? No, no, not him. He's, he's much more. 
you know, it, it's really cool. It's really cool to be a part of, and, and I really do appreciate it. So anytime, yeah, by man, all like, means. I mean, all you guys, you guys all made a huge impact on me. Like, I still follow most of you guys, like uh, Richard Mitchell and uh, Dave Hinkle and Slowinski. Like, oh, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Dave is, Dave is making it happen. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's one person, like, I want to just shout them all out, obviously, because I love them all so much. But uh, Dave is one person that, um, you know, his time at Joystick was cut a little short even compared to my own. And um, I remember when he was moving on to other things, you know, he was one of those people that to me, like I could see the love for what he did with Joystick as much as I saw it in myself. And now he's like a community manager and doing stuff at 2K. And dude is killing it. He's killing it. And it's like, I'm so proud to be like, that's my yeah. friend. Like I did a po- I did a podcast with him about words. We did word Rango a comedy podcast for like a year. And he's like one of the funniest, <laughs> best people I know. And, um, you know, it's like, it's, it's cool to look at them and like Richard, you know, he did a, a, a games expo in Tulsa. Cause it's like, he's from Tulsa. He lives there. He wanted to do something in his town and, and make his own sorts of, uh, sort of like convention. And it popped, it was huge. And he worked so hard like for a whole year to make this thing happen it was probably longer than a year for all i know but um dude dude was killing it for that too so i mean a lot of a lot of these people you know are so talented and it's so cool to see them go in different directions and stuff but um it was only made possible by having people that that gave us even the time of day so yeah it's a really special thing and uh, i'm just appreciative that someone remembered the word joystick with the q you know <laughs> like i mean seriously we you know i i've didn't know people still knew that that was a thing, you know? <laughs> so it's awesome. Definitely, it's definitely, definitely awesome. Well, thanks, man. Thank you for taking the time, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this episode. A huge thank you to Mike for sitting down for that chat. Um, if you would like to follow him on Twitter, I linked his Twitter down in the description below. Um, my personal one's also down in there. Um, so I, I would say just follow all three, the, the, the main Galactic Grizzly Twitter, Mike's, and myself. Um, but yeah, all that's down in the description below. All you have to do is give it a click, and it'll bring you right to where you want to be. Um, and yeah, I guess I will talk to you guys in the next video. Um, if you enjoyed this talk, go ahead and give the video a like if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this on like SoundCloud or iTunes, leave a comment, leave a review if you're on iTunes. Um, it would help us out a ton. Um, but yeah, if you're on YouTube, just give the video a like, cause that also helps out a ton. And you can also subscribe for month or sorry, subscribe for videos Monday through Friday. Um, and that's going to do it guys. Talk to you on the next one. Peace.